So from Psalm 4. Answer me when I call to you, my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long will you people turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Tremble and do not sin. When you are on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. Offer the sacrifices of the righteous and trust in the Lord. Many, Lord, are asking, who will bring us prosperity? Let the light of your face shine on us. Fill my heart with joy when the grain and new wine abound. In peace I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. I'll hand over to Melinda. Thanks, Rena. Morning, everybody. I don't know how I'm going to go at staying in this circle. We'll keep going. So it's great to be together this morning. Uh, add my welcome to those that are being given, especially welcome if you're visiting with us and there's a couple of people here for the first time. Um, special welcome to Wailing and Will, who I'll introduce a bit later. Uh, we have a special guest later in the message today. Um, Elliot and Sarah and the family are having the weekend off, so they're enjoying some time, I believe, camping, which is actually like good weather for the first time for them in ages when they've gone away. Um, but the rest of the team are here and we'd love to chat with you after the, our gathering this morning, stick around for a coffee. Um, if you have to rush off for Father's Day, obviously we understand, but if you don't have a dad uh, in Adelaide and you can't see your dad today or you don't have family gathering, then please stick around. We'd love to chat and catch up with you then. We are finishing off a series we've been doing basically since we've been here at Richmond Primary, um, which we've called Discipleship in the New Normal. And I don't know about you, but I've been trying to figure out whether we're actually in the new normal or we're still figuring out whether there is a new normal or what the new normal will look like. Um, but today is the second last week in that series. And I can give you a little bit, not too much more, but a little bit more information than Alyssa did about next week. So uh, we've been cooking up some plans behind the scenes for what we've called Richmond Hearts Richmond. Um, but the idea was to finish our last week in this series talking about church. Uh, what does it look like to do church in the new normal? And what have we been learning about who we are as a church? Um, but rather than sort of do that really broadly, the thing that we believe that God has been doing and we, we're experiencing right now in the new normal is being here at Richmond Primary. It's quite different for us. Um, and that's, you know, the reality of not being able to meet in our building because of the current restrictions but also, there's this opportunity that has come in it, and we believe that God is up to something, uh, that all these things have happened at the same time, that the school has been really open to us coming and gathering here on a Sunday morning, that Joe has started as the, I never get it right, PCW, yes, pastoral care worker here at Richmond Primary, um, that we've started the Kids Hope Program, which Lauren is the coordinator for, uh, the Elliot's on the governing council, all these relationships that we have with the school. We wanted to celebrate that. So the plan is next week that we have a gathering as normal, so please come and join us as you normally will, would, but it will look a bit different. Uh, there are some things we normally do that we're not going to do, and there's some things we don't normally do that we are going to do. 
but we thought it was a great opportunity while we're talking about what it means to be the church to celebrate and uh, give back to, if you like, Richmond Primary. So there's going to be a few different options, but we want to bless the school if we can. So there's a little outdoor project for those who want to get dirty. There's an outdoor project the school have asked us to do. We thought rather than do that on a Saturday or on the working bee, let's actually do it while we're here as part of our gathering. For those who don't want to get dirty, uh, who don't like getting down on their knees, um, there's going to be some other options to bless both the staff and the kids at this school. We're going to try and get our kids involved uh, in maybe doing some painting and something for the kids of this school just to you know, give to them to brighten their day when they get here the following morning. And of course, there's going to be opportunity for us to be praying for the school community and asking what God is up to. So as Alyssa said, uh, if you would like to play around in the sandpit and get dirty, then don't wear your Sunday best. Um, but also just for all of us, I guess, come prepared that next week will look a little bit different. But we'll also have time together as a family. And of course, there will still be coffee because we are Richmond after all. So get excited about Richmond Hearts Richmond next week. But today, in the second last of our series, uh, we're going to look at this topic of emotions. How have you been feeling over the last few months? What have you learned about your emotions through this COVID season? We've been talking about the things that have been revealed and the things that have been exposed. Uh, the other word that I remember using, particularly at the beginning of COVID, was how what's happening in the world, the circumstances of this global pandemic, amplify the things that are already there. So whatever was happening just felt like it suddenly got heightened and amplified. So the experiences maybe of things like grief or loneliness suddenly felt much heavier than they had before and everything was amplified because of what's been going on. So don't have you stop and think back over the last, what is it, since March? It's not even six months. It feels like 15 years in some ways. Um, over the last few months, and you try and track with your emotions. How have you been feeling? I can tell you, for me, it's been a bit of a roller coaster. As I was thinking this week and reflecting on my emotions over the last few months, I remember right at the beginning as it started to become a thing, as I started to become aware that there was something happening in the world that was going to have an impact, the first impact it had on me was kind of these multiple little disappointments of everything getting cancelled, everything just getting shut down. I remember that week where I went to work and I had five interstate trips all cancel on the same day. They were spread out over months and they all just one by one, you're like, oh, this is, this is a thing. Something is happening in the world that is going to change my life. And then I remember talking with people about what we called little griefs, the realisation that I'm not going to be able to go and see my family because they live over a border that is now closed. Or that little grief of, um, the, you know, these are the things that I'm no longer going to be able to do, whatever it is for you. And then we talked about what we maybe named an anticipatory grief as we started to think, hey, maybe people are going to get sick and people might die and we're actually going to experience tragedy and suffering. Now, we keep saying here in Adelaide, we feel like we have been really blessed and protected from that, but we know that that's the experience of our world that there has been really real suffering and sickness and ongoing illness for many people. And then perhaps you might have felt some fear as you thought about what that would mean for you, for your family, for our community, for our world. Perhaps there was some loneliness, some sense of isolation, particularly when we were stuck in our houses. Again, we've been so blessed that it wasn't for that long, but yet there's still elements of that for all of us, those of us who have family and friends interstate or overseas, that sense of disconnection and loneliness. Maybe you've been feeling frustration with the restrictions because you just can't do the things that you want to do. Or maybe there's been a bit of resignation. Well, this is how it is for now. And then... 
I don't know about you, for me, there's been some joy when new and old connections have kind of been re-established. I got this phone call. It was actually, I had a COVID test just after Easter because I had a bit of a cold, you know, and so I was at home in that whole, you know, three days at the time of not being able to go anywhere while you wait for the results. And I had a phone call from a young woman that I probably haven't spoken to for a good five years who just said, you know what, I've been ringing, looking, you know, looking back and reflecting, I've been ringing up people who are really significant in my life and I wanted to thank you. I was a youth leader, like gosh, way too many years ago, <laughs> probably 20 years ago. You know? And she rang me up and we reconnected and we caught up for a coffee recently. And you just said the joy of like, that would not have happened other than this season. I don't know what it's been for you, but I hope there's been glimpses of, you know, the highs of emotions in this season as well. Maybe finding some peace in the little things. I think I've mentioned it here before when I was talking about habits, but when I was at home, I kind of got into this practice each night of just lighting a candle, um, one that smells really nice because I like smell, um, and just sort of calming myself in this little moment of finding peace and experiencing that emotion anew. Um, expressing love and joy in different ways, the excitement of driving toilet paper around to people's houses or doing uh, chalk on the road or whatever it might have been, of finding different ways when we couldn't be nearby each other. It's been something of an emotional roller coaster. Now, actually, all of those emotions are things that I've experienced before and things that you have experienced before. But maybe we've been paying attention to them. Maybe they have been heightened or they've been brought to our notice a little bit more than normal and they've been acknowledged in new ways. So when we come to talk about discipleship in the new normal, it's maybe an interesting question to ask, how does this idea of emotions fit with the practice of discipleship? Emotions and discipleship. Sometimes people say, well, no, emotions shouldn't have anything to do with discipleship because you should trust your faith and not your feelings. Have you ever heard that? There's this kind of dichotomy that's set up between faith and feelings. Feelings are just your experiences of the up and the down, but faith is trusting God no matter what. I think there's some truth in that. But there's also something really unhelpful in that that suggests that our emotions are, emotions are something that we can put aside and get rid of and move beyond rather than acknowledging that we all experience emotions all the time. It's a part of what it means to be human. In fact, it is a gift that God has given us in how he has created. Yes, our emotions are affected by our brokenness by sin in the world. We can feel our emotions inappropriately. They might be distorted. They might be expressed in unhelpful ways. But emotions themselves are part of who we are. We are all emotional beings. One of the things that, um, it's a bit of a pet peeve of mine is when people say, stop being so emotional. You cannot stop being emotional, right? <laughs> We have emotions. What that really means is stop expressing those particular emotions. And if I'm being really harsh, it basically means stop crying, right? Because that emotion's not allowed. But feel free to get angry, feel free to yell and throw things, but you know, there's only certain emotions that are allowed to be expressed. Despite that word sometimes being used to refer to specific expressions of emotion or specific emotions, we are all emotional beings. Can I say that you are all feeling something right now, whether it is delight, or apathy at what I'm saying, whether you're curious or annoyed. <laughs> you are feeling something. And so the goal of the Christian walk, with, of being a disciple of Jesus, is not to escape our emotions. It's actually kind of a Buddhist way of thinking, or in some elements of Buddhist, the, Buddhism, the idea of nirvana, that you kind of throw off your emotions and you move beyond. That is not the picture of following King Jesus. In the Bible, our emotions are part of how we relate to God and how we relate to one another. If you go right back 
to the Old Testament instructions given to the people of God, we are told to love the Lord God with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our mind, with every part of who we are, with our emotions as well as with our intellect and with our hands and our feet. We are called to respond to God with all of who we are. So I think when I was, I was preparing today, I didn't want to start with this kind of, I guess what I call a deficit model, where we start with the brokenness and the problems. Yes, our, our emotions are affected by sin and brokenness in the world, but let's start with the fact that God has created us this way and given us our emotions as a gift. So of course I wanted to go to the Psalms today, uh, partly because of course that's me, but also because I think God has taken us on a journey as a church, as a family at Richmond over the last five years. It's been five years now that we have been doing a series each year that we've called Expressions, where we've sat in the Psalms, usually in the middle of winter, and we've sat in the Psalms uh, and we've learned to express ourselves in various ways with our bodies and our physical postures and with our emotions. Uh, So if you're newer to our family, you might not have um, been here for that, but last year, we actually spent five weeks learning to lament. We spent five weeks in the lament psalm where we looked at the different emotions they expressed. We did a week on doubt and a week on loneliness and a week on grief and a week on anger. And little did we know maybe that God was preparing us for what was to come this year to be able to name that those emotions are part of our experience and that God speaks into them. In one of those weeks, I don't know if you remember this, Brett and Lauren did a little spot. We had some different people sharing their experience, like we're doing in this series, where they put up on the screen back at Richmond an emotions wheel. Does anyone remember that? The emotions wheel? Yeah, and we looked at all the different emotions. I think it was like a version that, where is Brett, that Brett uses at school, you know, the the kids kind of version. Um, But to get us to name our different emotions. And we saw how that's actually a reflection of the Psalms. That the Psalms are, if you like, an emotional vocabulary. They help us name the full range of the gift that God has given us in our feelings. I started to go through the Psalms this week and list out all the different emotions that are named in the book of Psalms. I only got up to Psalm 15 and it's like I I couldn't keep going. So this is 10% of the Psalms. There are 150 Psalms. I only got up to Psalm 15 and here's my list. Joy, sorrow, anguish, delight, tumult, anger, wrath. Fear, distress, peace, excitement, pride, hatred, disgust, guilt, love, agony, shame, gladness, happiness, vengefulness, affliction, triumph, boastfulness, greed, crushed, helpless, grieved, troubled, afraid, needy, dreading, frustrated. This is 10% of the emotions in the Psalms. John Calvin, the famous reformer of the church in the 15th century, famously said, every emotion a human being has ever felt is expressed in the book of Psalms. And so the Psalms give us this permission to feel what we feel and to name what we feel and to pray what we feel and to explore what we feel. So Rena read to us this morning from Psalm 4. I could have picked any number of Psalms or the whole book. I did joke last week that this week's Bible reading was going to be the entire book of Psalms, uh, but that probably would have taken us until next week's Richmond Loves Richmond and you might have been a bit tired before then. So Psalm 4 for me, is just a little psalm that captures something of this emotional journey and emotional vocabulary of the whole book. It starts with naming the distress that the person is feeling and their need. It's an invitation to experience dependence upon God. What I have learned over the last few years in studying the psalms is that while the psalms are an emotional vocabulary and they invite us to express what we are feeling... As part of the word of God, they actually do more than that. 
So Calvin's famous comment has encouraged generations of Christians to say to one another, if you're feeling sad, if you're feeling lonely, if you're feeling frustrated, if you're feeling angry, go to the Psalms and you will find their words to express what you are feeling and ways to pray what you are feeling. And that's an incredible gift. It's an acknowledgement of the emotions that God has given us. But I think the Psalms actually invite us to do something more. The Psalms don't just invite us to express the emotions we are already feeling. The Psalms evoke emotion in us. They actually invite us to feel. They invite us to enter into the experience of the emotions that the people of God, the people around us, and God himself is feeling. And to take on those emotions, to name them, to explore them, to express them, and to learn how to use them well. The Psalms teach us what it means to live as emotional beings. And so this psalm names distress and need, inviting dependence upon God, and invites us to feel that. That might seem a strange idea to you, that the psalm invites you to feel distress, but it actually invites you to recognise that there is distress in you, that there is brokenness in you and in the world around you, that there is a gap between the way things are and the way we long things to be, and it is that gap that invites us to express to God our distress, our desire, our need, our dependence. This psalm also asks questions, admitting emotions like fear and shame, questioning God, being honest with him that these too are emotions we experience. And in fact, the turning point in this psalm is recognising God's emotions in response to ours, that God also feels And so this psalm moves from a prayer to God to become an instruction to others, an invitation to the community who's reading this psalm. The psalmist says, tremble before him and do not sin. In other words, feel what you feel, and then in that feeling, don't let that lead you into sin and lead you astray. How do we express our emotions honestly and well before God? Choosing how to respond to what we are feeling. The psalmist says, search your heart actually take some time and pay attention and ask those questions. What, what is in my heart? What am I feeling? What is this emotion that I'm experiencing right now? I love that, uh, the emotions wheel. I also remember when I was doing my training for ministry, we had some sessions with a counsellor and the counsellor I went to see had these like fluffy dice that had written on them different emotion words and she would like throw them to you and you had to na- look at them and pick a word that expressed how you were feeling uh, because apparently lots of people who are going into ministry have an emotional vocabulary that is limited to mad, sad and glad and she wanted us to try and see that there's a bit more to it than that. There's an invitation in the Psalms to pay attention to how we feel. And then out of that to respond well. And for the psalmist in Psalm 4, that is trusting God and seeking him in the midst of it and actually finding in him experiences like joy and peace and delight. So what does it look like to accept our emotions as a gift? To not try and escape them, but to name them, to notice them, to express them and to respond to God with them. There's a book that I've been reading, which I think I've mentioned a couple of times in this series, called The Listening Life by Adam McHugh. And he has this really interesting thing that he does. He's a very quirky guy, the writer of this book. It's the first book that I've ever read where the footnotes are like the best part of the book. They're hilarious. And they're at the end of the book, so you have to flip back and find them. But he'll say things like, you know, he quotes a book for the third time. It's like, you know, this was from this book. And in the footnote, it says, at this point, you have to run to why you're reading this book instead of that one. Um, just little, you know, ironic statements like that. Um, 
But he talks about how he has learned to do this, where he actually talks to his emotions, right? So he'll notice how he's feeling, and then he'll say to himself, oh, hello, anger. Haven't felt you in a while. <laughs> oh, that's a bit quirky and weird. But it's part of this idea of noticing and paying attention and accepting that this is a gift. How do I engage with that? Why am I feeling that? And what might God wanting, be wanting to do in and through me? Certainly the Psalms invite us into that and say, why might there be an appropriate place for anger when we look at the injustice and oppression and violence in our world? There is an invitation to feel that. And then how can I express this well? Why might God invite us to feel this? Our emotions can be an appropriate discipleship response to what is going on around us and within us. And we see this in Jesus himself. Jesus was not unemotional. Um, do you know there, uh, there's a little thing sometimes people used to wear on their wrists with the letters WWJD on them? What would Jesus do? Sort of meant to be this very spiritual, pious thing of, you know, make sure you act appropriately and do what Jesus would do. And one of my favorite memes I've seen on that is when you ask the question, what would Jesus do? Remember that overturning tables and making up a cord of whips is within the realms of possibility. Like Jesus got fired up. Jesus got anguished. Jesus experienced the full range of human emotions because, and in many, for many years this might have been a very controversial statement, I hope it's not to you, because God is an emotional God. Our God is an emotional God. And so that has been controversial throughout history. Uh, theologians for many years used to write textbooks about the attributes of God, and on the list was this thing called the divine impassibility which basically means God's unmovedness and unfeelingness. Uh, it actually came from Aristotle, not from the Bible, from Greek metaphysical thinking that says if God is the prime mover, the first cause in the world, then he cannot himself be moved. And so Aristotle's famous phrase was that God is an unmoved mover. And out of that, people developed these ideas that God is a stoic, like the Greek philosophers were, not like the God of the Bible, and that God doesn't feel I have to wonder if these people had ever read the Old Testament because on every page we have a God who gets angry and a God who is grieved and a God who is hating and a God who is loving and a God who is full of vengeance and a God who is full of delight. Page after page. Surely they hadn't read the Psalms where not only is it the psalmist's expression of emotion but the emotions of God are reflected back to his people, psalm after psalm after psalm. There was a book that I read a few years ago which on its own was controversial and perhaps swung the pendulum too far back, but was called Most Moved Mover. In contradiction to what Aristotle had said, we have a God who has chosen to be moved by us and who feels the full range of who he has created us to be. If we are created in the image of God and we are emotional beings, then why should it surprise us that God is an emotional God? Now, of course, if you hear that word emotional to mean over-emotional or, you know, out of control or certain expressions of emotion, the way that get used of don't be so emotional, then it seems strange to call God an emotional God. But if we understand that feelings are a part of this creation and the beauty and gift of God, then it makes sense that God has given them to us as a reflection of him. Of course, his emotions are always perfectly expressed, appropriate to the circumstances and the situation, and delivered and, and, and uh, you know, given out to others in ways that are for their benefit and their blessing and their good. But the Psalms invite us 
to express our emotions, to respond to our emotional God, and to pray our emotions. At their heart, the Psalms are prayers, and so they give us permission to pray our emotions honestly. Again, this might be controversial to some, but I think we are realising it is the truth of the scriptures. If you are angry with God, be angry with God. If you are sad with God, bring your sadness to God. If you are frustrated with God, then bring all those questions. If you are doubting God, then tell God your questions. That is the invitation of the Psalms, to have permission to express what we are feeling honestly to God to learn our emotions, to practice expressing them and to practice enacting them in, healthy, in helpful and healthy ways. Because we can express our emotions unhelpfully. We all know that. We've all experienced that. And again, probably something that's been heightened during this season. Have you had that experience of whether it's someone in your family or someone walking down the street where they kind of, you know, uh, respond to you in a way that seems out of all proportion to what's actually happening? And you realise that emotion is being built up by the biggest circumstance that they are experiencing. So there are helpful and unhelpful, healthy and unhealthy ways of expressing our emotions. I think the Psalms would teach us that there are appropriate and inappropriate experiences to, um, to have different emotions for. So sometimes people um, think about it in the Psalms as though there are good emotions and bad emotions. So love is a good emotion, hate is a bad emotion. So you should always try and feel love and never try and feel hate. But I think the way that God reveals himself to us is that there is a time for love and there is a time for hate. God hates evil. God hates violence. God hates exploitation and oppression. God loves his children. God loves to see his children love one another. So we experience these emotions. I think what the Psalms invite us to do in relationship with God is to wrestle with when and how our expression of that emotion is appropriate and helpful for ourselves and maybe for also for others, paying attention to how we are received by others. I had an experience this week, and obviously I was thinking about it because I was preparing for today, um, but where someone kind of said something and did something to me that I just was really took me aback, and then I realised it was just totally an expression of how they were feeling, but they had not considered at all how it would come across to everybody else, and that's okay, but it reminded me how often do I do that? I feel the emotion and so I express it. But there's an invitation as a follower of Jesus, as a disciple, to also pay attention to how my emotions are being received or the expression of my emotions is being received, that we are to seek the good and blessing of others. So what is healthy for me, but also what it means to live in a community uh, and to express emotions in ways that benefit others. So in the Psalms, I think we have this invitation to feel our own feelings. We have an invitation to feel with others, we call that empathy, and we have an invitation to feel with God, that as we become more like God, we might be transformed more and more into his image. Now, I said I was going to uh, introduce you to someone else today. I can tell you what the Psalms say, but I'm certainly not an expert on what this looks like in, in practicing our emotions healthily in practice. And so we thought we'd invite someone who is a bit of an expert here today. So I'm going to ask Will to come up the front now. Uh, where's the microphone? Ah, thank you. So, thank you. So, everybody, this is Will. Now, Will um, was part of this church, and I was trying to figure out how long ago, and I realised it was the first time we did the expression series, because I remember the Lament uh, Sunday, and so that was five years ago. So, that means there's probably a lot of people here who haven't been here for five years, so who don't know who you are. So, maybe I can start, Will, by asking you to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about what you do. 
Hello? Hi. Um, my name is Will, and uh, I'm, uh, I'm a mental health clinician, which means that uh, my background's in social work, um, and I specialize in mental health. I'm also an Adelaide born and bred person as well. Um, I, my, my family background is uh, Chinese, Vietnamese, which means that uh, within my family network, there's a whole mixture of Asian culture. Um, so that's very much what I bring uh, when I do my work as well. So what's your current work that you do? Uh, so my current work is one-on-one -on -one counselling. I, uh, I, I do that uh, across three different places. I also have my own private practice business as well. Um, to give you an idea of, of how many people we might see in a, in a week, so I might see up to about 30 people a week, um, sometimes up to eight people a day, which is wow. a bit too much. <laughs> Um, sometimes as little as three a day, which is a nice, a nice number, actually. Yeah, fantastic. So in, the, in your work particularly, I guess, what have you seen as the impacts of this, these last few months of COVID season? How's yeah. that been impacting people? Um, there's been a lot of different impacts. There's been impacts on the, on the basic human needs front, which is food, shelter, um, basic necessities, housing. Um, on the psychological front, there's been a lot of impact on the emotions and particularly fear, stress and anger. Um, particularly a lot of derailment to, to what we're used to in terms of what, how we predict our lives and what's stable. A lot of instability causes a lot of panic and stress and things like that. So I've been talking obviously about what the Bible says or what the Psalms say about emotions. Can yeah. you talk about from your perspective, like what is what is emotional health and what does it mean and why is it important? Why is it important? Come this way a little bit, Should I reckon, I for the in? camera. Yeah. Okay, good idea. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I, I, as I was sitting there listening to you talk about the emotions, particularly emotions in the Psalms, uh, really reminded me of um, one of the th one of the first things that I might say to someone in a one-on-one in, in -on -one counseling session is that emotions live in our body. Um, so that's really important and that emotions in our body is the first thing that comes out before our mind. So before we know that we're feeling emotion or there's something that's different here, it's actually coming out in our bodies. Um, and that's actually really important to, to know as a fact. Because um, if you know that's in your body, it doesn't mean it's just in your head. Um, it's, it lives perhaps in your chest, uh, in your bellies. And right now I'm feeling a bit of emotion here. I'm feeling some butterflies standing up in front of people. Um, uh, it might be muscle tension or, or heart rate increase and things like that. So what do we then need to do with that? Or like how, how do we be, kind of pay attention to that and be healthy with our emotions? Yeah. Um, so being able to name what the emotion is is important, but if you don't know what the name is, what am I feeling? What is this uncomfortable feeling? Then you can, um, we can take the practice of pointing, where is it in your body? Where is it that I'm feeling this discomfort, this, this, uh, this energy? Um, and, and one of the words that I liked, uh, oh, I actually heard it recently, and another therapist used it as, emotions are like energy in motion, so it's energy running through our bodies in motion, so it's movement in our bodies. 
and uh, movement in our bodies um, from, a, from a chemical point of view is adrenaline. If you're feeling stressed or anger, it's adrenaline. And adrenaline has stress hormones that gets released. And when these are released, it draws out um, energy supplies. So if we have um, adrenaline running through our bodies in a prolonged time and period, um, it can wear us down. And so when it gets worn down, we get tired. So sometimes we can feel really tired after waking up from a nap or from a sleep just because we probably have been feeling quite stressed in our sleep, um, even when there's no threat, really. But emotionally, we may be feeling under threat. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So I think um, you were talking about the, like the different kind of responses that we have to threats or I guess or to... So, am I different emotional responses to things? Can you yep. unpack that a bit? Different threats, yep. Um, so, uh, one of the really common ones would be the fight and flight responses. Um, so, there's three, actually. There's fight, flight, and freeze. Um, so, when we're feeling a sense of stress or the adrenaline is running through our bodies, we may want to do something about it. And so, that's the fight response. And sometimes what that looks like is that someone's getting up and they're really physical and they, they want to do something to, to act and to fix something or to perfect something and often that's a very, the need to eliminate threat. Uh, the second one would be the, the flight response which is to get away from the thing that's causing us um, this uncomfortable emotion and so we tend to sort of escape from it. Um, a lot of drug addictions or addictions of any type um, is to escape from this uncomfortable feeling. And the last one is the freeze response. The freeze response is quite an interesting one. Um, it's, it's more the, uh, from the, from the primal point of view, it's an animal that would just sort of hide and uh, stay as still as possible and just hope that the threat's going to go away. And so we just probably don't do anything. We feel a bit stuck and immobilized. So wouldn't it be fair to say um, there are some people who maybe have paid attention to their emotional health or their mental health and seen a psychologist or counsellor who are perhaps doing okay at the moment and it's the rest of us who've never thought about this stuff before that have found this season hard? Yeah. Is that how you would see it? Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've really appreciated when, when people come to counselling or therapy that they've actually gone through many different obstacles to get the, to walk into the door and to sit down into a session. They've... They probably have thought about it a lot, like dealing with their own issues, trying to, trying to use their own resources to deal with something. Um, they may have talked to a partner or a family member, a parent, um, and together trying to work out to solve the issue. Um, they may have read some books. And so there's a lot of different things I think people, people sort of do, but then there are people out there who have absolutely nobody. And so the first thing that um, they would seek a professional um, or not and then wait until the issue goes um, becomes quite big and so um, yeah there's there's been three different types there's been people seeking professional help or informally seeking friends and family or trying to work it out on their own as well so we as a church have talked about this and you know, there are, obviously we encourage people and refer people on if, if that's um, a helpful thing to counsellors or psychologists and we actually have um, some funding for that available so if that's you in our church family and you'd like us to either refer you to particular people or give you support, 
Um, but I also think it's for the rest of us. And I, I had an experience uh, early in COVID of thinking, you know, I, I'm probably someone who's never really paid attention to my mental health because I, it, I've been healthy. Uh, and during COVID, just going, oh, I may, might need to watch this. Not that there was any issue, but just saying, you know, this, these are big feelings and big experiences that we're all having. Um, so do you have any practical tips for those of us who probably aren't at that stage of saying, I need to see a counsellor or a psychologist, but how do I stay emotionally healthy in a really difficult time? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, one of the f really simple things uh, would be to be able to point and to know where in my body am I feeling this particular emotion, particularly if it's... Uh, I, I, and I think I'm, I'm, a, I'm mindful that depending on what kind of cultural background we have or, or types of traditions that we've grown up in or what messages society have told us about emotions is to be aware that there's no wrong or right emotion. Um, emotions are very much part of our human makeup. And, uh, and to be aware that we may be suppressing emotions. Um, so the, one of the first things to do would be to name or point where am I feeling this particular emotion. Um, the second one is to, to check in with how you are breathing, which is really vital because the breath is very connected to our central nervous system and if we can slow down our breathing in the moment of stress we can actually reduce muscle tension or heart rate could lower um, but, and also our um, sometimes we get clammy and sweaty and so that's part of the stress response as well so breathing slowly but through the nose and, and not just through the mouth, because there's a lot of mouth breathers out there, and sometimes you can actually induce anxiety and stress by breathing too quickly through the mouth. So that's a really simple one to do. Um, if you are or have experience in some type of meditation experience or practice, um, you, I think a lot of people would have heard of mindfulness meditation, and I, and I think mindfulness has a lot of good... Um, and, and solid evidence to, to, to not only feel relaxed um, but to, or find a sense of calm, but also be able to not, um, particularly when there's the fight, flight and freeze response, to not overcompensate uh, when we're feeling a particular emotion. So it's almost very similar to um, feeling the emotion but not sinning with <laughs> just connecting it to, to, to that being in the Psalms. Um, a mindfulness practice or any type of practice where it gets you to be aware of what you're feeling but not act on it. Um, a mindfulness-based type practice is quite useful. I'm always intrigued when people who are expert in areas talk about things, and I think, oh, there's a connection to something in the Bible. Um, when you're talking about the breathing with your nose, because one of the things I learned from studying the Psalms is in the Psalms in Hebrew, the, the mouth is actually associated with speech and the nose is the, the organ of breathing. Um, so I wonder if there's something in that. But, um, but that's what I wanted to ask you before we get to kind of something really practical for today. How do you see kind of all these things sitting with your own, like with faith and discipleship? Where's the overlap there with that? Yeah, this has been a really interesting one for me because um, in, my, in my professional practice, but also in my personal faith, um, I think recently I've found that there's been little intersection points particularly when it comes to people coming to counselling because they want an issue fixed or they want 
uh, suffering to be alleviated. Um, and there are a lot of psychological practices to alleviate stress and discomfort in the moment. Um, but then there are a lot of, there's a lot that I can't do because it's not my life and it's not my emotions, it's somebody else's. And, and there's a trap for me to sort of take that on into myself. Um, so there's an element of teaching people how to sit with their emotions and not to do anything with it, but just to sit and be with. And I think that's probably where, for me, my personal faith journey is how to be with this energy that's running through my body and not hate it or love it um, to do neither, which is to not judge it, but just to be with it and to acknowledge that this is part of who I am. That is probably the most difficult thing that when I have clients come to me, for them to learn is to go away trusting that just to observe the emotion and to be with would be enough. And it's hard for me to even sell it that way because there is not really much to do. The only thing of doing is awareness. So growing awareness is the only thing and almost trusting that it would take care of itself. That's actually, that's actually really hard to, to, uh, to, to teach someone that because it's, it's, there's a lot of trusting and, and, um, and not doing. Yeah. Which again, I think really resonates with like the scriptures and sort of sitting with God and you know, Jesus just saying, come to me and just, just kind of be, like be still and know that I am God and kind of just, yeah, being with God. So I believe, I believe because we talked about it beforehand, yep. um, you've got something practical that we're going to try and have a go at this morning. Yep. Yep. Okay. okay. So we are all, including me, in Will's hands now. Uh, embrace the, the practice. So what have you got for us? I have a, a fairly simple exercise. It won't go for too long. Um, and you don't have to do too much. <laughs> um, so wherever you are right now, um, lots of people are sitting. And uh, make yourself comfortable. So this is, this is um, I'm just going to talk you through a particular type of practice. Um, and I'm just going to try to combine all what, I've, what I've talked about into one little package. Um, if you can have your feet planted and, and grounded, and uh, just to notice and, and to sit straight as possible with your back straight. And, and wherever, wherever you are, just to... If you want to close your eyes, you can. I think that might help with distractions visually, if you're a visual person. But if you don't want to close your eyes, you can sort of pick a spot on the floor and, and then look at it. And the first thing I want you to do is just to notice your breath. Just to notice where in your body do you notice the breathing? For some of you, it's through the nose. For some, of you, for some of you, it's through the mouth. Just to notice. No need to force it or to control it. And if you're able to just to notice the quality of the air going in and out, 
Now, the next thing I invite you to do is to notice what you are feeling in terms of what's the chair that you are sitting on. What parts of the chair are you noticing it's in contact with your body? So you may start noticing your lower back. You might start noticing the back of your thighs, your backside. And now see if you can notice the parts of your body that are not in contact with the chair. thing I invite you to do is pay attention to parts of your body. So let, we might start with your shoulders. Sometimes we have really tense shoulders and we might raise them. And if that's you, then I invite you to maybe soften the shoulders and imagine them softening. Going back to the breath as we breathe, notice where in our bodies we feel the rising and the falling of the breath. Some of us breathe into the chest. Some of us breathe into the belly. Going back to the breath, just connecting to your awareness there. And during this time, you may have noticed different parts of your emotions. And if that was you, um, in different times of these types of practices, you can even put your hand on different parts of your body. And if there are certain discomfort or pain to be aware of that as well. And noticing the quality of, of that feeling in your body. And as an extension to how to be with emotion or physical feeling is to breathe deeply into that part of your body if there are discomfort or pain or, or some irritability in that part of your body. And inviting the breath to, to breathe in there. And so when you're ready, there's no rush, but uh, you can begin to wiggle your toes. And 
your hands and fingers just to move them slightly and as you are comfortable and whenever you like you can start to open your eyes and come back into the room all right thank you thank you let me pray God, we thank you that you invite us to be still, to pay attention, to notice. We thank you that you invite us to take time, to slow down, to sit with ourselves, with one another and with you. God, we thank you that you invite us to be still and know that you are God. Thank you for creating us as human beings with bodies and emotions and minds and imaginations and experiences and relationships and the fullness of who we are. And in all things, we want to love you with all of who we are And we want to grow as followers of Jesus, as disciples in all of who we are. And so we pray this morning, particularly as we have thought about our emotions and maybe how these last few months have made us more aware, that you would show us what it means to notice, to name, to pray, to sit with the feelings that are part of who you've made us to be. And we pray that as we notice and name them, you would be speaking into our lives your words of joy and hope and peace and light and love. We thank you that you have gifted us with feelings that reflect and respond to who you are. And that we we pray that in all things, As we follow you, King Jesus, you would reveal more of yourself to us. Be at work in us and through us to one another and to our world in ways that reflect and honour you and make you known. So we thank you for this time together this morning. We thank you for Will and what he shared. We pray your blessing on him and his work and ministry uh, in in working with people um, in all different spaces. And we pray for ourselves that you would keep teaching us and leading us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much, Will.